Hi there, my amazing warrior soul. This is The Aaliyah Show with me, your host, Aaliyah. This is the podcast for you if you want to talk confidence building, self-empowerment and transformation. Ultimately, I'm here to serve you, to give you a gentle kick up the backside and guide you to live your best life to your own standards. If you're hungry for more content, don't forget to head over to my Instagram at UK, where we can continue manifesting even more awesomeness into your life. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode in which I am talking about the decision to divorce and how it's rarely ever easy. So if you want to hear more about my journey or my actual opinions on the actual journey for others, do stay tuned and let's get into today's episode. So a lot of you will know that I, you know, I'm divorced. No biggie. Loads of people get divorced. I think that the divorce rate is literally nearly 50-50 at this point in time. However, for me, it was slightly different than applying for a divorce and simply moving on particularly because in the brown community divorce is still stigmatized heavily and secondly at the time of me actually thinking about divorce I was struggling with my mental health so I had two huge huge like boulders in my life that were potentially adding to the pressure of the decision of divorce and I was fully aware that it was going to be no picnic in the park. I wouldn't just walk through it. This wasn't going to be something I could just breeze through. It's not that type of thing. It was going to take time. It was going to be emotionally draining. It was going to be a complete and complete you know, battle on my hands because not many people would support me in terms of what I was doing because they would be like, oh my goodness, you can't do that. So let me take you a bit back in my journey because I think that's where I should go. My marriage was never really um, anything nice. It was nothing in particularly empowering. It was nothing of like, you know, how you would imagine a marriage to be. It was basically, uh, you know, my ex married me for a British passport to get into the United Kingdom. And for those that know me that don't necessarily agree with that, I mean, that's entirely up to you how you want to see it. But I was the one living within that unity and I'm the one who knows what I went through. And I can honestly wholeheartedly tell you the actual connection was made so that he could come to the United Kingdom and it was all faked you know his education was faked the whole him his family being settled and um, back in the home country of Pakistan and um, was fake they didn't come from money at all it was everything was fake every single thing his education everything was fake okay however considering my family dynamics um, I was in a way molded into accepting that things would change and I had no self-love, as a lot of you will know. So for me, this was okay. You know, things would change. And if you've heard me talk about my relationship with my father, you will understand that I pretty much took at face value everything, pretty much the same as what my father had previously done to various different people. So I was in essence, completely and utterly on the same hamster wheel, repeating the same patterns as my father and family before me. When I had my heart attack, which I know some of you are bored of hearing about, but you know, to me, it's like a gold sticker moment. I was 31. I had this heart attack at home. 
I didn't move off my bed because I was like, you know what, I'm so tired. I just can't do this. You know, the youngest had been on and off the trampoline all day that day. I really just wanted to go to sleep. And if I'd actually moved, she would have woken up because she was in the bed with me. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to lie here and let whatever this pain is just, you know, go. And I did let it go. And I actually had a heart attack and survived a heart attack at home. I'm still in shock when I sometimes think about this because percentage-wise, it's not a very high percentage, you know, of surviving something like that without medical intervention at the time. So I feel blessed, but I'm still shocked about what happened. After that point, it became extremely, extremely clear to me that my relationship was highly toxic. I was being manipulated. I was being emotionally abused. I was being financially abused. My children were not having their rights, um, you know, um, catered for my children were not having their rights met and everything was basically of a convenience for my ex everything was done for him and his family nothing was about me at all when I was in hospital after the heart attack he was on a video call showing his family how luxurious the hospital room was and they were asking oh my god how much is it going to cost yeah that's the level of toxicity I'm talking about even at that stage, though, I was hoping things would change. He would start showing some kind of emotional connection towards me because we had two children and it didn't come. In fact, what manifested next was, I believe, the universe's way of saying, you know what, Aaliyah, just get on with it. You're being stupid. Just rip the bloody plaster off, OK? Sent you a heart attack and you're still not taking cue. Get on with it. Just bloody get on with it, woman. No. And that was my ex booked non-refundable tickets via Emirates. Now, if Emirates are listening in, hey, um, via Emirates and expected me to fly out to his brother and sister's wedding, right? He expected me to attend his brother and sister's wedding because he was their older brother. And with the Asian culture, he has to be there because he's like a father figure. Now, FYI. If your father's alive, why the hell is your oldest son stepping in to be the father? Why is he financing his brothers and sisters? It's a ridiculous system and I wish more people would actually challenge the brown culture because it's ridiculous. So whilst I, we were in the UK trying to pay all our bills, he was also paying for his dad's children, so his, so his brothers and sisters to basically live because he had taken responsibility as the oldest son of a brown family. Now, as you know, my dad never did that. He was a bit of a, I, I don't know how, what to call him without getting like, you know, banned from podcasting. But let's just say he was never that brown son. So my ex booked those tickets and was like, right, you know, you're going to have to go to Pakistan because if you don't, people will talk. But do, do I really give a crap? I don't think so. I've just had a heart attack, but I was emotionally drained. I was upset. I didn't know what to do. And the doctors turned around and said to me, we can't have you leaving this area because we need to actually, you know, have medical intervention in place. We need to, like, operate on you. We don't know how right now. We don't know if you need a stent. We don't know if you need more. We need to investigate this issue before we can give you an answer into that. So the doctor said no. But he still went ahead and bought those tickets. If I'd boarded that flight, guys, I don't think I'd be here today. I would have been dead. For those of you that know anything about Pakistan, you will know that you've got to pay out a lot of lot of lot of money for half decent healthcare. Half decent, right? And he wasn't gonna pay. Of course he wasn't. 
why would he pay? He got what he wanted. He got a British visa. He got his passport. He didn't care. And I can remember sitting there crying, telling, saying to him, I mean, this was after I got discharged, that I couldn't go. And he said, oh, but it's non-refundable. It's non-refundable. It was all about money. And I, even at this stage, even at this stage, the manipulated, depressed Aaliyah with a lot more mental health issues going on was still, still thinking things could be fixed. And do you want to know why? Because fear had me restricted. Fear was saying, you can't do it. Fear had me doubting myself. Fear was like, you can't do it. You can't do it. If you put, you can't pull time on this. You know you can't. How are you going to cope? How are you going to live? What are you going to do? How are you going to show your face in public? What are you going to say to your aunts? What are you going to say to your uncle? What are you going to say to everybody else? Oh my God, you're going to bring shame on the family. Oh my goodness, blah, blah, blah. And it was fear of all of that, all of that stigma that had me in that position. And then he started playing mind games. For example, you haven't worked for so many years. What are you going to do? You haven't got a job. You can't leave. And stuff like that, you know? Yeah, this is real, people. This is exactly, this is the type of stuff people don't necessarily want to talk about because it means challenging a lot to do with culture and the way we see brown women within an actual marriage. But it happened. And I continued to punish myself. I didn't go because I spoke to my GP and my GP said that they would intervene and speak to him if it made a difference and my doctor was also brown and kind of understood the culture I think and was willing to assist me at the time and I didn't go but I was left in the United Kingdom post heart attack with a one-year-old child to look after myself and fend for myself and have no support because my mother was expected to go with him to look after my older child because who's going to change her nappies who's going to give her a bath because obviously a brown man couldn't god forbid his hands might fall off and it was scary and I was in such fear. And I lived in that fear. And then when he came back from Pakistan, it was pretty much the same. He was all bigging up the family and all this money he'd wasted on the weddings and all that stuff. And there was still no actual acknowledgement of what I was going through. And one day, that fear became so much that I started having panic attacks, left, right and centre. I couldn't eat without it feeling like the food was like stuck in my throat and after, I'd have to run outside and you know try to get fresh air and I can remember once my mum even phoning an ambulance because she basically thought I'd stop breathing because that's how bad it was and it was just horrendous horrendous but this fear this fear was not allowing me to do what I needed to do which was say you know what this marriage is over get out of my house f off that moment came after I saw what he was allowing me to go through I sat there thinking what if he does this to my children you know I survived a heart attack I don't know how long I've got left on the meter I don't even know you know if the post-treatment's gonna work I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know anything at this stage and I started reading like self-help books and things like that to empower myself to get out of that situation to get out of that dark hole that dark dingy smelly nasty hole and I started to build myself up and I took that step and the general consensus from family was no don't do that he'll change no don't do that he'll change and this was mainly from the men not the women but the men he'll change he'll change and then his um his mother was like oh no tell us what he needs to do what do you mean what he needs to do what he needed to do 
was invest in a relationship rather than just use me as a way into a country is what he needed to do now you can't necessarily fix that now I just want to get my divorce and get out and you know what they wouldn't allow it they basically dragged me as much as they possibly could yes there's many brown people within the community that are saying I'm called I'm actually dishonoring the community I'm dishonoring my children's family etc and you know that's your opinion and that's fine if I was to try and pay my bills with your opinion chances are I'd be charged even more for the bill so let's not go there but I discovered that I needed to leave that toxic connection my fear could no longer take hold of me because I found my motivation which was my children's well-being I needed to make sure my children would be okay I needed my children to know that they should not accept this type of behavior within an actual connection my children needed to know that fear cannot hold them down they need to bypass that fear and that quote that we read so often everything you want is on the other side of fear that hit home it really hit home because everything I did want was on the other side of that fear I wanted a job with prospects I wanted a life where I wasn't fearing everything that I was doing I wanted a life where I didn't have to live by other people's rules I wanted a life where I was appreciated as a human I wanted a life where I wasn't living in fear and it was all on the other side of that fear of calling time on that connection it was difficult it was so so difficult I remember you know the panic attacks not instantly going it took a while for the panic attacks to actually go and there were stages in life where I was thinking oh my god have I done the right thing you know should I have done this should I have waited longer and then I told myself well hang on a minute if a nearly a decade hasn't actually brought anything about what would another decade do nothing and I can remember my mom saying to me that um my ex-sister-in-law said oh just wait for the girls to be- get a bit older and then obviously they'll make the dad deal better and it's like n- no because that's not what an actual relationship is it's so easy within the brand community to pass the buck to somebody else within the family that it's crazy but they but she was sitting there willing to say oh you know it's okay the girls will fix it her daughters will fix it later on and when my mom expressed concern and said all my daughter ever really wanted was the same as what you've got in your marriage you know your husband deals with you he takes you on holidays he actually deals with the kids and stuff and he's supportive and you know she just pulled a face so it's like hang on you're just confirming the fact that all you really wanted out of this connection for your brother was the passport well congratulations you've got a passport but I do believe in karma and karma does come so if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking crap I'm in that situation I was used for my passport believe me karma's coming karma hits you regardless you don't have to necessarily believe in it for it to hit you it will hit you if I hadn't have climbed over that humongous wall of fear I would still be stuck there today. Fear will not allow you to do anything. It's easier to keep you stuck in a vortex of negativity and past thought than it is to allow you to move forward, break free and potentially build up a new life for yourself that you are more than worthy of. You need to face your fear. It's the hardest thing that you're going to do. But trust me, when you've done it and you look back, you'll be like, wow, I managed to do that. And when I look back, I think to myself, wow, I managed to do that. But it's you that's got to do it. You've got to take that step you're the one who needs to face your fear you're the one who's got to acknowledge acknowledge that what you want in life is on the other side of that fear and then you need to climb over that big wall of fear now your fear could be possibly changing jobs 
Maybe you're in a job which has got decent pay, but the prospects are rubbish. Or maybe you don't feel fulfilled, but you don't necessarily want to go out there and get a new job because the job market in many different industries is unstable. You're the only one who can come over that fear and do what they need to do. Maybe like myself, you were in, you're currently in a relationship that needs to have time called on it. Maybe that's the fear that, oh my goodness, what if I die alone? Really? Are you fearing being alone and content in your life? over being in a connection where you're constantly drained and you're in living in fear and you're paranoid and everything else as well. Your fear is stopping you from doing what's best for you. Your fear is stopping you from living your life. Combat that fear, take it on and move forward. It's the only way. Today's takeaway message from this podcast episode is that you need to face your fear. You need to face your fear. I faced my fear you need to face your fear and that's today's message. It's a huge, huge message, I know, and it's not something people can do straight away. But what you can do is acknowledge that you need to do this and start the progress. Okay, guys, so with that being said, I'm going to wrap up today's episode. If the information in today's episode has been useful to you, please do let other people know about this podcast. The more people we can share this podcast with, the more transformations we can spark and that is what we're all about. Don't forget that you can catch me over on um, Instagram at UK. Please feel free to message me or leave a comment on anything that you want me to discuss in this podcast. Maybe you want to give us some feedback or maybe you just want to chip in with something else. Whatever it is, always happy to connect with people. And I'm always, always, always more than happy to take in suggestions for future episodes. So until the next episode, guys, take care and I will catch you in the next one. Bye.